0: filling the sky, you could see the Milky Way, Uh, we were trying to locate, you know, different constellations and stuff. And I was reminded of a book I've been reading, talking about our God. Our God is the one who spoke that into existence. And they're discovering that our universe, our galaxies, are just ever expanding. They can't find the end of it, it's just forever. And... In this book I was reading, the author, Louis Giglio, he said that one galaxy is like one thought of God. That's one of his thoughts. That's, I mean, that's the God we serve, is the one who spoke this creation, not just this planet though, but the universe, into existence. That's the God we serve. And somehow, some way, when you think of us compared to like the whole galaxy We're smaller than a grain of sand. And yet, He loves us. And not only that, but He came in the form of Jesus Christ and He died for us. I mean, my job (laughs) is to explain that love to you somehow. And I am an utter failure. There is no way I can explain that love to you. I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. But yet, somehow, some way, God loves us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And that's going to be the focus of the message today, is talking about the greatest thing, love. And I'm going to do my very best to hopefully explain it just as best as I can. But man, I hope and pray that you walk out of here today impressed with who our God is. On another note, If you go home this afternoon, just Google like uh, music of the stars or uh, no, that wouldn't be it. You'd get like American Idol or something. Um, Google like uh, songs that stars sing or the noises that stars make. You know, they've found that each and every star makes a different sound. And when you read in the book of Psalms that the heavens declare his glories, the heavens sing praises to God, it all makes perfect sense. It doesn't matter whether you sing or not. Because the stars are going to sing His praises. Man, we just... Uh, I, can't, I can't even put it into words what my heart is feeling right now. And I just pray that this message is encouraging to you and uh, impacting. In all the controversial things that we've talked about since I've been pastor of Grace Church, so, you know, all the controversial things that we could talk about, all the controversial things that Paul's been dealing with. With the church of Corinth. Paul does this. Time out. Time out church in Corinth. Time out Grace Church. Let me remind you. Of the most important thing. Let's, let's forget about all the. You know the, the other controversial things. And let's just forget about all that for a minute. And let's focus in. On the most important thing and i want first corinthians chapter 13 to explain what the most important thing is so let's turn to first corinthians chapter 13 and paul says if i speak in the tongues of men and angels okay we're going to talk about that more next week He, he says if i speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love i am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal And if I have prophetic powers, we're going to talk about that more next week. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, say it with me. I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love... I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Talk about a softball, right? As a pastor, man, I better at least hit it to the fence today, all right? There is no doubt, there is no doubt about it on this day that love is the supreme value in the Christian faith. There was a time when Jesus was challenged by some religious people to boil Christianity down to its absolute essence. And he said, you know what, that's easy. Two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, love people. Love people. Later on in the Scriptures, the Apostle Paul made a list of qualities the Holy Spirit wants to generate in each Christian, in each of you as Christians, in Galatians 5.22. And at the top of the list, number one was love. This is very, a very timely subject to talk about because if we do what we do as individuals if we do what we do as a church without love we are wasting our time and i don't know about you but i don't want to waste my time the whole reason we're gifted by the spirit is so that we can love people better that's the whole reason we're even given gifts Is so that we can love people better Our giftings are different ways that we love each other. If you're a servant, you love by serving. If you're a teacher, you love by teaching. If you're a leader, you love by leading. If you're a helper, you love by helping. Jesus is the one who said, Everyone will know you belong to Me if you what? If you love one another. That's how people will know that we are Christians. The evidence of Christian maturity is not that you speak in tongues, or not that you're a great leader, or that you're you know, a wonderful teacher, or not that you have the ability to move mountains. The evidence of Christian maturity is loving people the way Jesus loved people. You know what? You, you could say to the La Plata's, like... La Platas with your eyeballs. You could just look at them and think in your head and move them and send them to Russia. You could run a non-profit. You could write enormous checks to feed the poor. You could take a bullet for someone. You could even die a martyr's death. But if you're a jerk, and it was all done without love, it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It was all jack squat. The problem is that we misuse the gifts that we're given because we're trying to use them for our own glory. The problem isn't the spiritual gifts. The problem is when the gifts are used without love. Let me just say, Grace Church, we believe the gifts still exist today. But in addition to the gifts, and actually more important than the gifts is to be loving. Now remember, our context in this chapter that we're dealing with, the context is spiritual gifts. Some people ask, why is Paul talking about love? Paul took a little time out, remember? He's been dealing with some hard things. He's been rebuking the church in Corinth. He's been saying some hard words to them. I believe hard words make soft hearts. And he's been trying to soften their heart by saying some hard things. But he took a little time out here to remind us of the essential thing, and that is love. We're talking about things that can be very controversial. Next week, we're going to be talking about things that are very controversial. Things that have divided Christian brothers and sisters. And Paul says, hey, before we deal with those things, wait a minute. Before we deal with those things, hold on, listen. Remember... The most important thing is love. It's the whole point of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are different ways we can love one another. So what is love? Paul says, love is patient. That would be kind of a fun experiment just to walk down Main Street, ask different people, what is love? You would probably get a variety of answers. It's probably going to be very emotional-based answers. You know, it's just a lot of people think love is an emotion or it's that first kiss or whatever it may be. Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love isn't rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love isn't easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Man, I love this one. Love always protects. Always. That resonates, doesn't it, fellas? That's love, man. You're a protector. Love never gives up. Ever. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful. Love never, ever fails. So here's our, here's our takeaway today. There is a big difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual maturity. Paul's saying, you could be the greatest leader ever, but if you don't love the people you're leading, you're not doing any good. You could be a great teacher, but if you don't love the people you're teaching, it's worthless. You could be a great servant, a great administrator, a great speaker, a worker of miracles. But if you don't love people, you're immature. You're not grown up in your faith. You're you're a child in your faith. You're not using the gifts from the Holy Spirit for the purposes that God ordained. There's a difference between spiritual giftedness and spiritual maturity. Sometimes, you know, sometimes young, zealous, immature people think, I'm gifted. Like, I'm awesome, you know? They get really lifted up in themselves. They get prideful. They have no humility, no love. They, they, don't, they don't possess selflessness, which are the signs of someone who is spiritually mature. Humility, love, selflessness. Man, it's not natural. It just doesn't come to us natural. Only the Spirit of God can bring about such wonderful qualities in the hearts of men and women and children. God, listen, God doesn't need your amazing talent, He wants your fearless obedience. That's what he wants. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need us. Have you looked at the galaxies lately? He spoke that into existence. He doesn't need us. He wants us. Isn't that better to be wanted? He wants your fearless obedience. The church in Corinth, remember, it was a bickering, fighting church. And they were fighting over secondary issues while totally forgetting the main issue, which is love. And many were under the false notion that they didn't need each other. It was a very divided church. I've heard it said one of the most segregated days of the week is Sunday morning, right? You come into church and you sit in your own little section. You don't talk with anybody. And Man, it's the furthest thing from what God painted for the church. The church in Corinth was very divided. They they didn't believe that they needed each other. Church, we need one another. We need each other. And Paul's saying to them, he says, hey, listen, you can't draw close to God and remain distant to others. It it doesn't work that way. The two greatest things, love God and love people. The closer you get to the heart of God, the more you're going to love people. That's how it works. The fact is, it's impossible to truly be unified as a church if there's not mutual respect for one another. If there's not honor for one another. And if there's not recognition, listen, that God is using others besides you. Crazy. You're not the only one doing the work of God. And you should be grateful for that fact. I don't know, maybe some of us here this morning haven't experienced that. I have. I've experienced some good Christian brothers and sisters that were in the trenches fighting for the kingdom of God, but they got prideful, they got lifted up with arrogance, and they thought they were the only one in the trenches. You're not. There's a lot of people doing the work of God. God is using many, many people throughout this county, throughout this planet. You're not the only one doing the work of God. Don't be so arrogant as to think you're the only one God is using. Love for others opens our eyes to the big, wide work that God's doing in the hearts and lives of others. When you begin to draw closer to the heart of God, your eyes are open and you begin to love more people. Love allows you to look past the surface. That's what love does. It allows you to look through the offenses. Someone that is loving is not easily offended. It allows us to, it enlightens us to see people the same way that God sees people. I want to I camp right here just for a moment. You know, what if, what if instead of all the controversy and the conflict What if instead of focusing on all the secondary issues, instead, what if we just focused on loving better? What if you worked on being more patient this week? You're like, man, church just isn't relevant, man. I don't ever have anything, like, I can't use it on Monday. Here's something to use on Monday. Try being more patient tomorrow morning. What if you worked on being more kind? What if you stopped boasting about yourself so much? You know, instead of telling the same story about yourself over and over, what if you created some new stories? What if you weren't such a jerk? Right? What if you tried not being so rude to other people? How about working on not becoming so angry? so quickly? Instead of giving up, what if you didn't quit? That's a takeaway. That's something you can try this week. What if you kept fighting for good? You kept in the fight. What if you didn't lose faith or give up hope? What if you rejoiced in the truth instead of Chasing after or delighting in evil. Church, if we if we simply practiced loving better this week, we would be stronger, we would be healthier, and we would be a better church. Instead of thinking you're right all the time, practice loving better. Instead of arguing and nitpicking and, you know, just pointing out everybody's flaws, try loving better. Instead of being a jerk, I've said that three times in this sermon. Alright? Practice loving better. Instead of being full of religion, instead, what if you were full of love? The greatest evidence that you're growing closer to Jesus Christ... You're like, hey, what's the measuring stick? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to draw close to Christ, but how do I know if I'm getting close to Him? How, how do I know if I'm growing in my faith? The greatest evidence that you're gro- growing closer to Jesus is when you begin loving like Jesus. You begin loving people. Paul goes on to say in verse 8, he says, As for, as for prophecies, they will pass away. They're going to be gone. We won't need prophecy in heaven. Love lasts forever. As for tongues, they will cease. We won't need tongues in heaven. We're all going to speak the same language, and we won't need interpreters. Love lasts forever. As for knowledge, it will pass away. In heaven, we're going to know. It's going to be awesome. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Okay? In our Christian walk, right now, we know partly. We don't know everything we would like to know. We know everything we need to know. And as Christians, we believe in Jesus. We believe there is a real heaven and a real hell. We believe the Bible. But there are still things that we don't understand. We know in part. We all have some questions, right? but we live by faith, knowing when we get to heaven and see Jesus, everything is going to be made known. If you have doubts, if you have questions, join the club, man. Alright? You can still be a faithful Christian because we know in part. We don't have all the answers. We walk by faith, not by sight. The one who says... I've got it all figured out. Hasn't really figured out anything. The best leader is a learning leader. Let's let's be ever learning, ever growing. We're not going to have it all figured out until we see Jesus. We're always learning, always growing. And by the way, let me just be so blunt as to say, if you think you know it all, you're the most dangerous. He goes on to say, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. This is a highly debated verse right here. Those who believe that the gifts don't exist anymore, they use this verse in an attempt to prove that they don't exist. They'll say supernatural gifts like healing or miracles or tongues and such, are, they only existed in the early church, but they ceased when the perfect came they'll say that the word perfect is referring to the bible so now that we have the complete revelation of bible we have no need of those gifts they've ceased okay are you with me all right do we at grace church believe that the bible is perfect yes we do we are a bible believing church Absolutely. We believe every word of it. The question is in this verse, what is the perfect that's being spoken of here? What's it referring to? I don't believe Paul is referring to the Bible. Let's keep reading in verse 11. He says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Okay, the, the people in Corinth, remember, they were very immature in their faith. They were desiring all the cool gifts, uh, the, all the you know, cool and awesome gifts of the Spirit. But Paul's saying, hey, you're not nice to each other. Like, remember, the, the people in Corinth, they were getting drunk at communion. Okay? They were having sex with each other. They were uh, just very spiritually immature but they were thinking that they were spiritually mature because they could speak in tongues. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Listen, church, quit acting like children. It's time to grow up. The main difference between children, and I'll say some adults, is children are completely self-absorbed. Like a baby wants to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Okay? Okay? And there's no consideration for others. It doesn't matter if it's 2 in the morning. It doesn't matter if he has a diaper on or not. Okay, He does what he does when he wants to do it. A grown-up says, it's not about me. It's it's not about us. Being a grown-up is actually moving from me to we. That's what it means to be grown-up. Being a grown-up is not being self-absorbed. You know, some people are like, man, it's my ministry, it's my gift, and I will do what I want to do when I want to do it. And Paul is telling you, come on, church, I quit being a little snotty-nosed brat. Like, grow up. It's time to grow up. It's not about you. Verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly. Okay, it's not always clear. In this life, you know, you've experienced it too. Like, man, we don't have a complete understanding. It's not always clear. We're finding our way with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, but then face to face. Who are we going to see face to face? Who are we going to see Face to face. Who are we going to see face to face? Thank you. Paul's not talking about the Bible, which we believe is perfect. He's talking about Jesus. Things are going to drastically change when you see Jesus face to face drastically. And he goes on to say, now I know in part. Everything now is imperfect. Okay, This ministry isn't perfect. My teaching isn't perfect. Our game plan to accomplish the vision isn't perfect. Everything here is imperfect. And one day, our imperfect ministries are going to go away. But in the meantime, we want to mature. We want to grow. And we want to do the best that we can with the ministries that God has appointed us. But there will be a day when the perfect comes. So, what is the perfect talking about? He just told us. We will know when the perfect comes because we will see him face to face. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's referring to. Now we see imperfect people. We see imperfect churches. We see imperfect ministries. But Jesus comes back, and then He's going to straighten everything out. The curse is going to be lifted. Sin will be no more. There will be no more death. And certain gifts won't be needed anymore. They won't be needed in heaven. We won't need the gift of healing because there won't be any hospitals in heaven. The perfect isn't referring to the Bible even though it's perfect. The perfect is referring to the coming of Jesus Christ. And we believe Jesus is coming again. Right? Our hopes, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, they're all tied to the hope of seeing Jesus face to face. As Christians, we long for that day. And until then, we want to grow spiritually. We want to serve Jesus. We want to do ministry. We want to be the church. And when Jesus returns, we hope to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But until then, we keep ministering. We keep serving. We keep expanding the kingdom of God here on earth until we see Jesus face to face. Church, you and I are gifted To do ministry. That's why we're gifted. So that we can love people better. So that we can show the love of Christ to the world. That's why we're gifted. That's the whole purpose of why we do what we do. That's the point. Paul then says in verse 12, Then, speaking of the second coming, Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known, Our faith is going to become sight. And at that time, my questions will be resolved and answered. Paul says, so now, or another way you could say it, so in the meantime, focus on these three things. So now, faith. Focus on these three things. Faith. Faith is a belief in. Right? I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I haven't seen Him face to face, but I believe Him. I know Him. He lives inside of me. I'm waiting for Jesus. He's coming, or I'm going, one way or the other, I'm going to see Him. That's faith. Which leads to hope. These are, and this is directly to us, church. These are the three things we should be focusing on. Faith which leads to hope. I put my faith in Jesus, now I have a hope. Hope is knowing that my life is not in vain. Far too many people in our community recently have taken their lives because they don't know what they're living for. They have no purpose. They're like I I don't know why I'm here. I have hope that my life is not in vain. Building this church is not in vain. Even though I'm not perfect, this ministry isn't perfect, I have hope that God is going to use it for His purposes and for His glory. And then, there is love. These three, Paul says, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest is love. We're not going to need a lot of things in heaven, but love's going to be there. We'll still need love in heaven. Church, the fact is, people really, really matter to God. Rich people, poor people, young people, old people, black people, white people, brown people. Every single person really matters to God. So therefore, get this, Get this, if they matter so much to God, they should probably matter more to you and me. If they matter immensely to the Father, they should probably matter more to you and me. I'm not trying to cause trouble, but I have to ask you this question. Who can't you stand I wish there was a way we could like put a spotlight on you, each one of you, and like just get the thoughts out of your head and have them projected up on the screen. I think that would be awesome. Just to see where you're at. Transparency. Who can't you stand? Who would you love to vote off the island, right? Browns fans? Yeah? All right. I'm struggling with that one. Democrats, Republicans, slow drivers, politicians, lawyers, you know, rich people. Seriously, tell the truth sometime. Try it. Who can't you stand? Okay? I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper. Some of you can't stand people with a certain accent. Others of you, you, you see something, someone with a certain ethnicity and you hate them. Maybe your parents, maybe you were brought up that way. Your parents told you it was okay to hate someone with a different color skin. You, you hate them, but you couldn't even really give a good answer as to why. Why? You just, you just hate. Who can't you stand? What about people with a slightly different theology? Or, you know, you just, man, I can't stand those people. You make fun of, you ridicule their views. Boy, that's really like Jesus, isn't it? Church, do we, do we want to be like Jesus or not? Man, Justin, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? This is talking about love, right? <laughs> I just don't want to mess around with God, man. Do we, do we really want to be like Jesus or not? Do you understand the love the Father has for all people? All people. Some of you are going to have to give up hating to be unified with the heart of Jesus. The only way you're going to be unified with Christ and His church is you're going to have to stop hating. You know, when you look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, the world looks different. People look different. And when you look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, it'll strengthen your, your capacity to Love. People, man, they matter so much to the Father that He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to tell them. To tell them, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how deep of a hole you've dug. It doesn't matter what you've snorted or who you've slept with. There is a Father in Heaven who loves you. And He is searching for you every hour of every day. And He's hoping that you will come home. God has already chosen you. He's waiting for you to choose Him. Man, I want to ask you as we close, could you just give up hating? Would you mind, just for the sake of Christ and the sake of His church, would you mind stop? Just stop hating. Can you draw a line in the sand today and say, I just I can't hate anymore? If God loves people so much, I've got to love people because I love Him. If for no other reason love people because you love Jesus. But Justin, loving people is so man, it's so inconvenient. I know. But Justin, if you you only knew this person, if you only knew what they did, Jesus said, love your enemy. And just because you love someone doesn't mean you, you have to trust them, right? Love. Church, we have to get to a place where we see people like Jesus sees people. And only until then will... I don't think we... We're going to be the church that He wants us to be. I believe when you and I get to that place where we begin to see the world through the eyes of Christ, I believe your world, my world, will be rocked. We will be a changed church. We will be a changed people. Church, that's my challenge this morning. Let's practice loving people this week. And you know, you say, especially the men in the room, You're like, man, I just thought love was just feelings and I I just kind of, I don't really even like the word because it's just so confusing to me. Like, how do I love? Love my wife, love my kids. How do I do that? I don't know how to love. Let me just give you a few ideas. Love is patient. Love isn't rude. Love is kind. Love doesn't demand its own way. Love is not jealous. It's not irritable. Come on, fellas. Some of us are irritable. Love isn't boastful, keeps no records of wrongs. Love isn't proud. Love doesn't rejoice in injustice. It rejoices in truth. Some of you are right here, fellas. Love never gives up. You're about to check out, man. And if for any other reason, I'm here to say, don't check out. Don't give up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures. Just just pick yourself up man dust off we've all fallen we're all sinners we're all guilty just but just dust yourself up man endure keep going get up don't stay in the mud love will last forever love is the greatest lord jesus i'm so thankful that you're the loving god i'm so thankful that you're the living god And once again, I just want to pray for my friends. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would save those who are far from You today. I pray You would give them a love for Jesus and a hatred for sin. Holy Spirit, as well, I ask that You would show each of us our ministry here at Grace Church. And I ask that You would empower us to do that ministry well. Holy Spirit, thank You for the gifts You give us so that we can serve like Jesus served. And I pray that our church would continue to be more and more like Jesus and that we would be a people filled with Your love. And when people look in Grace Church, they would see a bunch of people that are just radically in love with one another, serving and just blessing one another. Lord, fill this place with more and more people who are like Jesus. Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.